Without further ado, Brian, let's get out to the zone phone, the Sprint Special guest line, and talk with Tony Parks, host of the Tony and Austin show here on the zone. He is in Chicago for NBA All-Star Weekend. Tony, how's it going, my friend? It is great, man. It is great. Anytime you can uh, be in this city, although it's very, very cold, uh, it is a good thing. Uh, and on top of that, man, it's, it's great to be a part of uh, what will be a really special night tomorrow night, as well as a special weekend overall. And, uh, no, it's a, it's a great time, man. you got to love this place. I don't know if you guys have been to the city before. Um, so many unique features, so many great restaurants, uh, so much great history. Uh, so, yeah, man, excited to be here. I've, I've been to the city quite a few times. And, and uh, having the chance to be there tomorrow night uh, to see Donovan and Rudy in that first All-Star game, I think it'll be truly special. So I'm, I'm going to go right to it, Tony. Have you been to Giordano's yet? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just went there this morning. Yeah, <laughs> now we, uh, my wife and I, had a special event this morning at Giordano's. Uh, we had some children from the Misericordia School uh, that we hosted over there, and big thanks to Giordano's for doing such a great job and hosting the event. And the kids had a really good time. And man, let me tell you, they were live. That's for sure. They said, "Man, this place has never been hopping like this at 11 a.m." I mean, they were, they were on fire, man. They were excited and. Uh, singing songs that were coming on over the speakers in the restaurant, and uh, that that was as special a morning as we could ask for. So, yep, we've we've been there, and it won't be our last time being there on the trip. I was gonna say, I'm sure you've got a few more stops yeah. planned. I know you. Oh yeah. So, I, I, on Tony and Austin, you talk about the fact that you actually have frozen Giordano's pizzas in your freezer here in Utah, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yes, yes, they are there. They're at my mom's house yeah. right now. See, actually, I, they, I, uh, we order them for the Super Bowl yeah. party. I need to. Year. I need to come over yep. to your house. I I love Giordano's. I've been to Chicago a few times. You will and, love it. I know. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I, I tell you to bring some home to us, but we both know that that's not going to last. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I think I'd get to maybe the gate. And I'd be like, hey, uh, I don't know what happened here. The security got involved. Real attitude, you know. Yeah, just really, they they weren't quite sure. So it was like either you know throw it away or check it on on the on the plane. Didn't want to risk it. Sorry, All that right, and well, Eli's cheesecake can't yeah. can't do anything for you, man. It yeah. won't make it. All right, Tony, what has been your vibe so far from taking in the sights and sounds? The NBA world essentially has converged there in the Windy City. But what have kind of been your overall vibe from the weekend so far? Well, I mean, it's kind of what it always is. I mean, the NBA All-Star Weekend is really a chance for these players, so many of them, to just exhale for a minute. You know, they love this game. All of them do. They're crazy passionate about this game. And while the competing part is incredibly fun, you know, and the grind is fun and the getting up and practicing and and the day-to-day and or or sometimes a back-to-back or five games in seven nights or – you know, playing every other day for a really long time. Sure, this is this is what they signed up for, and they know that. But the fact that the NBA All-Star break now is so long, that is huge. And the fact that it now, I do know for us, we loved the All-Star game when it was a competition. It made it great television. It made it what we love about the game. But for so many of these guys, it is their chance to exhale and just take a look around for a minute and enjoy a few days being around the game and let the game just be fun and not have it be so incredibly serious. And so while I've always had my objections to the game itself, saying, man, I wish we could have it like it was with Stockton and Malone and Jordan and Pippen and, you know, Patrick Ewing and maybe Chris Mullen was out there and, you know, the 1993 All-Star game that went to double overtime and it was Mm -hmm. unbelievably great competition. That would be nice. 
but I do get why these players want to take a minute and look around and not have it be something that's incredibly stressful because the rest of their season is incredibly stressful. So last night, yeah, the Rising Stars Challenge was fun. The celebrity game, you know, guys are out there having a good time. Uh, take a minute, laugh. Saturday night uh, festivities, I'm, I'm sure we'll have some good stuff in store for the dunk contest and three-point shooting. Um, but, you know, Donovan said it today, you know, with all the stuff going on with the media availability, and Donovan Mitchell said it today, like, it's cool to just kind of take in the moment, to look around and be like, wow, I'm here. There's only 24 guys that are here. I've got to enjoy this because before you know it, you're going to be right back in the grind. You're going to be battling for the standings. And that mental stress and that mental energy takes its toll as you go through uh, what is the heavily competitive back half of the NBA season. You know, you mentioned, Tony, that Chicago is a great sports town, and, and currently the Bulls are, are very not great. In fact, Ricky yeah. O'Donnell yeah. wrote a pretty scathing piece for SB Nation today talking about how the Bulls really need to turn things around. How is the city of Chicago responding to the All-Star Game being there? And what's the energy and the vibe of the city like with, with all these NBA players converging when basketball's kind of been almost overlooked, in a sense, for them recently? Well, th- basketball is a huge deal out here. I mean, there, there is no doubt about that. I mean, uh, all the, from whether kids are playing out at the park or whether you end up with high school games or big tournaments and things like that, you know, this city – they love their basketball. It's a huge, huge deal. And the Chicago Bulls are a huge deal. But I'll tell you what, when they're not good, they're going to let you know about it. And people out here are furious about the fact that Jim Boylan and that crew have not done a great job and that that front office, you know, less than 10 years ago, had a coach that had them as the number one team in the East for multiple years, had them with home court advantage in an Eastern Conference final, had them with an MVP player, uh, you know, that was going along, and they seem to have something there. And Tom Thibodeau had the Chicago Bulls in the Eastern Conference Finals with home court advantage. And I think, I'm trying to remember if he also had best record in the entire NBA. He might have that year. And on top of that, guys, he ends up with, you know, Ronnie Brewer, Carlos Boozer. He had, you know, Kyle Korver. He's got some other guys on that team that were not necessarily dynamic, overwhelmingly dynamic. These guys weren't committed on defense a lot of times. These guys had some flaws in their game. And they were a really well-coached team, seemed to be really well-operated, and it fell apart between you know management, coaching, and then overhaul it again, overhaul it again. And before you know it, this team, this organization, which I think should be in a much better place than they are, is in a disastrous spot and is, is, is uh, uh, performing well below what I think they should be. And th- this fan base out here, they're not stupid. They know that, that they demand great things, but they also know if you're performing less than you should. Like, they're not fooled by no. the 8-8, eight and eight, hollow 8-8, eight eight, may I say, season that the Chicago Bears had. You know, they, they're not fooled by that. They know that they had nine games on that schedule that were easy, three that were semi-hard, and four against contenders. They didn't compete at all against those contender, uh, in those contender games. And they, you know, feasted on some games against teams where they caught at a good time. They know that this isn't a good step forward for their quarterback. Like they're not, they're not fooled by that. So, yeah, they're not happy about that. They love that the All Star Game is here, but every single person you talk to about the Bulls just scoffs, rolls their eyes, and goes, "Give me a break," because they deserve better. Yeah, it's an arena that's traditionally been full for the most part, and they're actually bottom oh, third yeah. of the league right now in in terms of 
percentage of capacity. And, and it's, you know, I think there's right. maybe some jazz fans out there that say, well, you know, you hate to see it, but at the same time, <laughs> like that's one of those premier <laughs> flagship franchises of, of the NBA. And with, yeah. you know, Jake and I were talking about it earlier with the all-star game coming in 2023, you want the jazz to be really good when they host that thing. And, and for them to be bad when it, the entire NBA is coming into town, it's got to be a little bit of a, Almost kind of like an embarrassment for Bulls fans, I would think. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be a hollow part to it. Mm-hmm. Like, they've got to be like, hey, it's cool. Shaq's going to have that party where you know going to come out and DJ. And that's cool. They're going to have, you know, good artists out here. And, hey, that's great. The All-Stars were so incredibly uh, giving in the community. And, you know, all those things are cool. But you're right. No, but I think you're nailing something here, Brian. There's something hollow about that. And if the Jazz were to host the NBA All-Star game and be – 12th in the West and clearly going nowhere. And let's say there was a major disconnect between coaching and the, and the management. Yeah. I mean, it'd be great to have the all-star game, but everybody would feel different about it. Now in 93, they were coming off a year when they went to the West finals. Correct. People still felt like they were building towards legitimate contention at some point with Stockton, Malone, Sloan. And, and, you know, they were still trying to put the pieces together for it. They had a very lovable team, a very identifiable team. My guess is in 2023, that's what we're going to see. I don't think it'll feel like this with this fan base and, and this group out here. Yeah. 2023, I think, will feel incredible uh, with the amount of support and love for you know the event and the excitement about the Jazz in the second half of the year. Yeah, Tony Parks joining us from Chicago live at NBA All-Star Weekend, of course, hosted the Tony and Austin show, joining us here on the Saturday show. Tony, your guys' conversation, you and Brian right here, it makes me think about the predicament the New York Knicks find themselves in because you mentioned yeah. the, you mentioned the fact that Chicago, yeah, they're struggling, but the one thing I think that's different between these two legendary franchises is that Madison Square Garden routinely is filled night in and night out for the crap that they're putting on the court, whereas Chicago yeah. fans are actually showing their displeasure by not showing up. And I think that's the impetus right there, where you have Chicago, yeah, they've tried to reboot a couple of different times and it's not working out, but I think they'll continue to try and get things right. Whereas it feels like the Knicks, they're just a lost cause because they just keep cashing checks. Oh, yeah. No, these fans, I think that's an interesting thing. The, these fans out here are saying, okay, fine. You, you don't want to have a winner. We love basketball. Yeah. We love that team. Yeah. But we're not going to go spending that money on that kind of stuff. Oh, well, and and yeah. the other thing about that is, I mean, I went to a game earlier this year. Uh, it was against the Houston Rockets, and we were out there, and I, it was awesome. I had my uh, Cherry Sloan jersey I've always wanted to okay. wear. The only jersey I've ever worn, not a Jazz jersey, was a Bulls Jerry Sloan. That's the only one I will ever wear, probably, uh, in my life. And uh, So, anyway, it was great to be there. I, it wasn't tough to get a ticket, man. It just wasn't. Yeah. It was way too easy. And so, yeah, the fans are going to, to voice their displeasure, and that's the way that'll be. And so I, I love a market that understands what's going on and what's mm-hmm. what. And this, this one does, just like in the Salt Lake market, they know what's going on with their team, which is also why they're in an incredible fever pitch right now uh, for the excitement of what this uh, back half of the season could be. It, it, the markets are very similar, I think, in a lot of respects, where it's both fan, smart fan bases and very passionate fan bases. Shifting the conversation a little bit, again, we're speaking with Tony Parks uh, out in Chicago covering the Utah Jazz players at their, as they're at the All-Star game. What's been the reception of Rudy and Donovan as they've actually been at the game? I know initially there was maybe some pushback from fans with Rudy Gobert uh, being named an all-star. I think everybody else who really watches basketball realized that he was well-deserving of it. But how have they been accepted? What kind of attention have they garnered while they've been there? And what have you been able to observe with those two? Yeah, I think the first time 
that a guy, I think Rudy's the one that is mostly going to be the one where people go, wait, really? That guy? Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, there was a chart out there that kind of uh, mixed a bunch of different uh, uh, deeper analytics and stuff like that that blended them all together. And James Harden was first. Rudy Gobert was eighth uh, out of the top 25. I don't think uh, Donovan Mitchell was on it. But, but, like, somebody had tweeted out, like, really, Rudy, eighth? That proves that this whole, you know, this this – uh, mathematical formula here is a sham or something like that. And I think the first time that they see somebody like Rudy in an all-star game, they're going to have their eyes up like, oh, I don't get it. But the more time goes on and you see how much this guy is going to help the Jazz win, and I think the Jazz will have good you know, playoff runs, maybe something like that to go with it, the more that people are going to go, wait a minute, okay, hold on, that, that guy is not just a novelty. He's not just a really big dude that a couple of people – put together some mathematical equation to kind of come up with this reasoning that he's actually really good. No, they're going to notice he is really good. And so there's going to be some pushback when it comes to that because he's not a household name yet. He really is not. And I gave the story about, all right, this is my first time covering an NBA All-Star game or being out in an NBA All-Star weekend yeah. uh, in 16 years. The first time was 2004. Um, Andre Karolinko was an All-Star for the Jazz. It was a really interesting year for all-stars like jamal mcglore was an all-star Peja stoyakovich so anyway i'm there the jazz were not a great team the feeling around it and i felt that way and in every way it felt that way that this was really cool that andre karolinko made an all-star never once did i feel like you know what this guy's going to put together seven or eight more of these and he's going to be a hall of famer and you know what he could lead the jazz to winning at such a huge level and he's going to be the guy and the reason why that's going to happen well this time around um, I, I feel like it's totally different, totally different with these two guys being there because they're not just all-stars that happen to be really good players for a team that's in the league. They happen to be winners. They happen to be big-time leaders. They happen to be a team that's really starting to emerge and break through as a legitimate contender rather than just a, a cute little pretender. And so that's why I think it's very different. I feel like with this time around, guys, I'm witnessing the very beginning of illustrious careers and historic careers that jazz fans are going to look back on very, very fondly for a very long time. People, when they compliment Darren Williams, they say, you know, when Darren was in his prime, he was blah, 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 blah. You know, we don't even really have to talk about how great Stockton Malone was. We know. We're like, yeah. the, oh, those guys, you just say their name and you're like, well, yeah, Stockton Malone. I feel like it's going to be that way for Rudy and Donovan. I don't feel like you're going to have to selectively put together windows of years where you say, if you go back and you look at this during this tiny window, wow, were they amazing. No, we're going to look at it and say, those guys were just awesome, and they helped the Jazz win a lot of games for a lot of years. And they're, I predict that these two will be at, at uh, numerous all-star games and have numerous you know, all-NBA uh, accolades throughout their career. Yeah, Tony, I'm the type of guy, we were talking about this earlier on the show, that I want to see Rudy Gobert. We see him at shoot-around shooting some outside jumpers, some three-pointers on occasion. <laughs> I want to see him have some fun with this game and really, I think, break out of that shell. I think a lot of NBA fans probably perceive him. They perceive him as this defensive stopper who is a very limited offensive game. I think tomorrow night, mm-hmm. him just having some fun with it could allow NBA fans to see another side of Rudy and say, okay, this guy actually, okay, he's a little different than I anticipated he would be. Well, yeah, because everything we've ever known about him up to this point is pretty serious. Yeah. I mean, he'll have a little one-liner here and there, yes. some funny little quirky things. The guy's got a sense of humor. But now you want to see it in a game-like situation. I'm, I'm actually right there with you because Rudy Gobert 
there is one part of me that wants to see him like totally block somebody's shot and make them mad and sure, then yeah. turns into something different. But that's totally that's wishful thinking. Yeah, I'm with you. Let's see him shoot a three. Let's see him have some fun out there, uh, enjoying himself. Um, this, this needs to be, like I said, a, a moment to exhale for the players and a chance to go out, show some skills, show some ability. Don't get anybody hurt. Uh, there's still a lot uh, left to be played for. And all the way up to this point, this guy has been grinding like crazy. Uh, nobody, I, I, I don't think that the work ethic uh, put in by Rudy Gobert could be exceeded by anybody else in the league. I mean, it is, it is an unquenchable desire to work, to get better to watch the pressure that he puts on himself to not have a liability in any piece of his game. Remember when he was a terrible free throw shooter. Now it's at least respectable. Remember when he didn't have strong enough hands. Well, that's definitely not the case now. Remember when offensively you got to, had to figure out what to do with him. Well, now you're seeing even more and more versatility happen to move its way along. I, I think you pointed something out there. People may envision that this is just a, a defensive stopper. And he's not, not Tyson Chandler guys. Like, yeah. He's incredibly great defensively, and he is very dynamic on offense with vertical spacing, as it's talked about, with you know, the ability to set the screen the way he does and be so incredibly impactful. His dunks around the rim finishes now with both hands in, in some tough spots. And now the range is coming out a little bit more. If that hook starts to come out even more and more, I'm going to get even more giddy about the second half of the year. So we'll, we'll see, but I, I'm with you. I, wanna, I can't wait to see him in this setting uh, because it's something he dreamed of, too, something he told friends before he was ever drafted that he was going to do. And now, instead of him laughing, he's just like, what? I told you. Like, this is just a part of what I envisioned. I believe Rudy also has big visions when it comes to the Utah Jazz, too, and that should have uh, the fans excited. Again, we're talking with Tony Parks of the Zone Sports Network. He's out in Chicago covering the All-Star Game for us. Tony, Years pass, and I know that saying Gordon Hayward's name out loud is sometimes looked upon as, as a small sin in this city, but <laughs> when he went to the All-Star game, it felt like there was a lot of acceptance and validation for him when he was a part of some of those great players, and when he returned, he really did step his game up. Now, Rudy and Donovan, have, I feel like, have already had some of that acceptance, and they are both playing at a pretty high level, but is that something that you see happening with the two of them as they're around these greats, they get to kind of interact with them a little more, they feel a little more comfortable and a little bit more a part of that NBA elite brotherhood? Oh, yeah. I mean, whatever they can take to be better players, they're going to do it all the time. It was interesting with Gordon because Gordon goes to the all-star game and you're like, Hey man, like you belong kind of barely, you know? And, and then it was like, is this sustainable for you to be that kind of a player constantly in the league? And now we're watching and sadly an injury, I think has, has also disrupted some of that to be fair to him. Um, I wonder about that. Whereas I feel like these guys that can be sustainable. Here's the one thing people I don't think truly understood about guys like Rudy and Donovan say last year. So Rudy got snubbed last year, right? Mm-hmm. We all knew about that. And you heard constantly about this. You know what? I, I think it's a good thing because now he's going to put a chip on his shoulder. He's going to go out, prove more wrong, and you're going to see him go out there. I think this is a good thing. And it's like, okay, here's what makes Rudy and Donovan both very, very special. They are absolutely galvanized by being disrespected. Uh, Rudy wears the 27 jersey. Uh, <laughs> Rudy will have quick one-liners in an interview here and there. Got it. He is equally, if not more, motivated by success. 
He is. He, it, it, I'm telling you, every single time. And if the chip on, if the chip needs to go on the shoulder, they know how to use it for a very short period of time because that's really all it's good for. And when it comes to having success and being good with winning or getting an accolade like this or an All Defensive Player of the Year, you know, if he gets it two years in a row like he has, he wants it a third. If he gets it a third, he wants it a fourth. If he gets it a fourth, he wants it a fifth. These guys, they they are now going to look forward to their second All Star game. You know, if they want a title in their career, career, it would all be about trying to get their second one. That is their mindset. And they don't just say that because they don't have to say it. You can see it with the way they work and you can see it with their attitude. So I find it great that they're at this game. I think they're going to be galvanized by success. I think some players in the history of their career, uh, like a Darren Williams, has tried too hard to be the underdog and the disrespected. That can wear thin real fast. And quite frankly, it doesn't always bring out the best version of yourself. And if you're looking to do that over 82 games, that's not healthy for your team or even for you as an individual. So these dudes are going to take every bit of this experience, every conversation, everything they're going to learn. They're going to apply it to the second part of this year and the rest of their career. And I think you're going to see, yes, like I said before, that they are every bit as galvanized, motivated, and uh, 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 something that will help them excel is success every bit as much as the disrespect card. That, that was the whole thing of, Oh my gosh, Darren was the second to last pitch, or, or Donovan was the second to last pitch. Should he now go out there in this All Star game with something to prove? No, they're fine, guys. <laughs> Their big thing is they're successful and they know it, and now they're going to help that galvanize them even more. Well, Tony, can't thank you enough for taking some time out of your schedule to join us today. Looking forward to your coverage of NBA All Star Weekend, obviously Saturday night events tonight, and then the big game tomorrow. And we'll be talking with you on Monday when you're back here. Well, not here if you're out. We're off on Monday. We're back on Tuesday yep. when we're back That's on right. Tuesday talking about it. And we're excited to get your insight on what you kind of observe and what you learn while you're out there covering it. All right, guys, love being on the air with you guys. Keep rocking it like you do, and uh, we'll see you next week.